you for that. We've got our community segment for today with Mary O'Connell. A little bit of a switch up because you're joining us to talk about running on ice here today instead of on Friday. Mary, thank you for being here. Anytime. I'm happy to give everyone confusion on what day it is. It is not actually Friday. It is Wednesday. And I feel very bad to have played a trick like that on somebody. I would love if it was Friday, wouldn't we all? But let's go ahead and dig into our topic for today. We just finished talking with Mark Solomon about the UPS and the Teamsters deal. Good news that it was actually tentatively reached before that strike deadline. Let's put this in perspective of cold chain. Most people don't necessarily think about UPS as being a cold chain provider. That's not what you go to when you think UPS, but they actually have a pretty robust cold chain network. Can you talk to us a little bit about it? Yeah, so um, UPS casually has something like um, 17 million packages a day go through their cold chain network. So, you know, just a small little number. Um, And since since UPS does hold... um, 37% of the small pack market, um, which is the most out of everyone. Um, Personally, myself, I was very, very, very concerned when, you know, talks of a strike were happening and no resolution was really getting a a hit. So I was like, this is going to be horrible because the one industry that relies on UPS probably more than any other industry is, um, is healthcare and pharmaceuticals. And that's something that, you know, if, if they go on strike and nobody and someone doesn't get their medicine on time, you know, people could die and that's dire, but that's pretty much what it comes down to because it's hard to reroute those pharmaceutical and medical shipments to another carrier because it just takes so much time to get it set up. And sometimes there's extra certifications that you have, depending on what type of goods it is. Um, it's more than just, Oh, your, you know, your e-commerce delivery is going to be a couple days delayed. Like, no, we were, um, that was, the, the bigger concern for me personally was the amount of pharmaceuticals and medical supplies that go through UPS's network. And the impact of their network itself, is it the situation where, let's say even in the cold chain, I need to use a parcel carrier. Now, I'm assuming there are not many other parcel carriers, or even if I found one, the point that you brought up about the regulations and the paperwork, is it like a double whammy? It is kind of a double whammy. So not, I mean, not, that's not to say that all healthcare and pharmaceutical moves require extra certifications, but the ones that do, it is going to be tricky because more often than not, your regional carriers, which are going to be the easiest ones to accept this overflow are not, um, they are not probably more often than not certified or have the proper things for their warehouses and other stuff like that, because, you know, it's more than just the package. It's got to go through a warehouse or other stuff like that. And um, so And there's also that time sensitivity to it because, for example, if you have, um, I'm sure everyone has gone and gotten a blood test or um, given a specimen at like LabCorp, Quest Diagnostics or somewhere that's like just a lab thing. They take a vial of blood, they take a specimen sample, and then it gets shipped off to a lab. Those are primarily handled by UPS as well because they have the, their overnight <laughs> delivery and their expedited stuff. Those they they can still maintain that chain of custody and all of that. Um, so that is something that could have also been jeopardized. Is um, you know anything from uh, specimens uh, on the police stand front or in um, healthcare and you know diagnostic testing as well. So any sort of contamination that could have happened through a delay in picking up packages um, that would have been extremely unfortunate and extremely problematic. Um, but thankfully, we have a tentative deal, um, and I will rest a lot easier once that deal is officially signed. You said something that blew my mind. 
things police departments got rid of were their in-house crime labs for, you know, like your CSI, they ship them off. So like in the state of Tennessee, a lot of them will go up to Nashville or another large metro. So theoretically speaking, had a strike taken place, it could have even slowed down the processing of crimes, basically. A hundred percent. So there's so many things behind the scenes that small parcel carriers or they just get shipped overnight or they just get picked up at the end of the day and they arrive where they're supposed to be in the morning. Um, There's so many things like that that everybody kind of forgets about when it comes to thinking about parcel and small package stuff. It's not just, you know, your e-commerce delivery is going to be late. Your HelloFresh might be a couple days late. Um, Some of those more consumer Things that, you know, if a, if a box of produce has to sit for an extra day, it's probably fine-ish. You might have some waste, but not the same level that you would have on, um, you know, any sort of uh, any sort of health healthcare um, processing. But yeah, to your point, Thomas, there were, there were crimes or there were crimes that would have potentially not been processed fully or risk the chance of contamination um, and invalid samples and potentially let someone go free should um, the strike happen. Now that is a very dramatic um, <laughs> thing that could have happened from the strike, but it is still a very real reality. Logistics is a crime-fighting operation. <laughs> Who would have thought? Mary, the interesting thing about this situation with UPS was the fact that we saw the other mega carrier, FedEx, actually attempting to solicit business away in the, just the assumption that there was going to be a strike. We saw them back at the end of the first quarter saying, hey, come to us by the end of April. We'll cut your rates in half. And then back in June, hey, come to us in preparation. We're going to give you a good deal. But for shippers, it's not that easy. It's just saying, you know what? I'm pulling my business from UPS. I'm going over to FedEx. I got to make sure that I have the same service level. They understand what's going on with my routes and my needs. And now, obviously, Obviously, shippers are going to say, okay, whew, I'm glad we didn't go through all of that hoopla just for it to be a whole lot of thing. Is this in, in, like increased even more if you're talking about shippers using that cold chain and very specific uses for that cold chain is almost having to be double sure of pulling their business just because if it ends up not being necessary, it's a whole lot of work for nothing. Yeah, um, it's actually much more complicated for cold chain shippers because FedEx doesn't have as robust of a cold chain network. They have, um, they primarily focus on protect from freeze, which is, um, you know, that's if it's really cold, they just put a blanket over it or they do other things that prevent that shipment from freezing, but it doesn't necessarily guarantee that it stays at a consistent temperature. So for cold chain shippers, that is um, a little trickier to try and jump ship. Um, but I will respect FedEx for shooting their shot and saying, hey, come on over here. The water's fine. Um, I, I love that. But that could have potentially really helped the rest of the network should um, some non-temperature controlled shippers jumped over to FedEx that would leave, you know, your cold chain shippers uh, more options to find, uh, you know, a good cold temperature controlled carrier. But um yeah, I think that uh, I think that it's if most shippers will alternate between FedEx and UPS anyway, um, just for the sheer nature of business. So I think it's just part of that natural rotation cycle. It just might be a little bit earlier than expected, um, especially on the um, the dry van or the non temperature controlled side. Um, I would think that it's just part of that natural rotation because inevitably something will happen after you switch to FedEx that'll make you switch back to UPS. And then something will happen with UPS that'll make you want to switch back to FedEx. It's a constant switcheroo. Um, I don't know that I know many shippers that have only used one of those carriers their entire business. 
Part of me feels like if only Coca-Cola and Pepsi had such a relationship. Huh. I am mad at you, Coke. I'm going straight to Pepsi. <laughs> Mary, thank you so much for coming on. Tell us, uh, when's your next newsletter coming out? How can folks subscribe? So not today, but on Friday, just watch Freightwaves TV all day. We all know it's a great day for content. Um, and at around 2 o'clock in the afternoon, you'll see a new episode. A, a newsletter will be coming right to your inbox right when that episode airs. But you can read it after the episode airs. It's a good one this week, I promise. All right, Mary, thanks for joining us. We'll catch you then. Right now, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. 